continuing the series on of such is the kingdom of God. And the series basically deals with the status of children in the kingdom of God and to explain just how they fit into the kingdom of God. And so in the previous teaching, we had a look at the fact that all children are in fact born of God. And we saw that man is a spirit being, that he has a soul and he lives inside a physical body. And we saw that our physical bodies, God, we look back at uh, the creation of man when Adam was formed. Uh, the physical body is formed from the dust of the ground, but the spirit of man comes directly from God. For it was when God had formed Adam's body that he breathed into his body the, the breath of life, which was in fact the spirit of God. And it is the spirit of man which gives life to the physical body that we dwell in. But nevertheless, these bodies are just a, a tent or a house that the real person, the inner man, actually dwells inside. And then we saw that um, it is God who actually, God forms the body. God, um, as with regards to Adam, he formed his body from the dust of the ground. And God continues to form our physical bodies um, for each, each person that comes into the earth. Uh, God uses the material that he has already re used right from the outset, which is the dust of the earth. And so God uh, takes the sperm and the egg at conception when they're joined together and God then in the womb forms the body. But nevertheless, he uses the same material that he used right from the outset, which is the dust of the earth, which is why when these bodies die, they once again return to dust. Um, but we saw that the spirit of man comes directly from God. So the spirit of man does not come from any material in this life, uh, does not come uh, from our parents. The spirit of man comes directly from God. And we saw that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And so when God creates the human spirit, which is born into the earth, I'm talking about when every single person is born into the earth, um, their spirit is created by God full of life and full of light. There is no darkness in God. And so he cannot impart spiritual death to anyone. He cannot impart spiritual darkness to anyone. So every single uh, person that is born into the earth, we saw, in fact, is born um, of light and life. And Jesus Christ, our soul, our, we saw, is, in fact, the light of the world. Um, and then we had a look at what uh, God does, in fact, say about children. And we looked at a number of scriptures. We saw that God deems children to have no knowledge of good and evil. And he deems children to be innocent. Um, and our Lord Jesus spoke about the fact that all children have an angel assigned to them by God when they are born into the earth. And that, in fact, is right from conception. And so that angel never leaves the, the individual until such a time as the person leaves the planet. Um, and then we saw various aspects of scripture of our Lord laying hands on children and saying that of such is the kingdom of God. And when he was explaining to the disciples that they needed to be converted and become like children, he was talking about the fact that they needed to be born again, just like children, in fact, are alive unto God. And so he was saying this, you guys become just like them. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so we saw that very clearly. Uh, scripture teaches us that children are in fact alive unto God. They are spiritually alive, and as far as God is concerned, they're His. And we saw that all children who, who die before the age of 13, and we'll get to that uh, particular age as we go on in the teaching, 
they remain spiritually alive to God. So they go straight to heaven. No child uh, is lost when they die physically because their spirits are spiritually alive unto God. So that's kind of a recap of what we dealt with in the previous teaching. In today's teaching, we want to look at the reason as to why it is that we must be born again. Um, because we said that something does happen, and I mentioned it at the age of 13, that the spirit of man, which was once alive to God when we were born into the earth, um, changes. And that spirit dies, and that spirit becomes separated from God. Which, don't forget, when I talk about that spirit, I'm talking about the person. Because we have identified right at the outset of this teaching that it is the, the hidden man of the heart, the inner, inward man, that is the real person. And so that real person dies spiritually at a stage in our lives. And that is why we need to be born again. So we need to understand why it is <clears throat> that this process takes place. Um, in order for us to more clearly understand just how children actually do fit into the kingdom of God and how he, they fit into God's plans for eternity, actually. And so, um, first scripture we can look at today is in Matthew chapter 8, verses 21 and 22. And our Lord just highlights a truth for us in this passage of scripture. Scripture says, Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And so our Lord was saying very clearly in that passage of Scripture that everybody on the planet really is spiritually dead. For Obviously in this instance, the disciples' father had passed away and he wanted to go bury him. And our Lord said, let the dead bury their own dead. And so our Lord is saying that everybody on the earth is in fact spiritually dead. Even though they're walking around alive on the planet, their spirits are dead. Um, and we're not going to get into any kind of depth on what spiritual death is. It is not a cessation of existence. It is in fact just a different, it's a nature that is uh, contrary to God. Uh, that's what spiritual death is. God is spiritual life. And anything that is not uh, part of God takes on the nature of spiritual death, which is in opposition to God. So our Lord was saying that everybody on the planet is in fact spiritually dead. And so something obviously does happen because we've identified in the previous teaching that everybody that's born into the earth is born spiritually alive. And so something takes place in the life of every single person on the planet at some stage in their lives, their, their spirits transition from being spiritually alive to becoming spiritually dead. And uh, a couple more scriptures we can just uh, look at to confirm the fact that every single person unbeliever on the earth today is in fact spiritually dead. Um, and we need to understand how that happens. Because there is a teaching out there that says everybody is born spiritually dead. But we saw in the previous teaching that that is not true. Because everybody born into the earth, their spirit comes from God, which is spiritually alive. And so the other two scriptures we can look at just to confirm that every unbeliever on the planet is in fact spiritually dead. And also in darkness. In fact, the Bible talks about the fact that they are darkness. And so we saw that we are born as light into the earth. But there comes a time in everybody's life that their spirits die and they, their spirits transition from light to darkness, from life to death. 
and that's uh, something we want him to understand so that we can understand why it is that we in fact do need to be born again. And so the other two scriptures we can look at is in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Um, the Apostle Paul writing, or the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul writing, he says, And you he made alive, who were, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And so everybody who, before they're born again, are in fact dead in trespasses and sins. And when we get born again, God makes us alive once again. Um, and so we're needing to just understand why that happens, that we do die, but we just want to confirm the fact that everybody on the planet is in fact in death and in darkness. Look at this scripture, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. The scripture says, For you were once darkness. He doesn't say you were in darkness. He said you were once darkness, talking about what our state was before we came into the kingdom of God. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So the transition that takes place when we get born again is that our spirits were dead and our spirits were darkness. When we get born again, our spirits are now made alive and our spirits are once again made light. So that's the transition that takes place at the time we're born again. But prior to the time of us being born again, something happens which causes each one of our spirits to die and to transition from light to darkness. And we need to understand what actually happens and when that happens. Another scripture we can look at is in Romans chapter 1 verse 21. The scripture says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so this is a description of every single person on the planet. Um, the scripture says, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. And so every single person uh, born into the earth knows God, um, because he is their father. Now, they might have a warped understanding of who God is because of the, the environment they grow up in. But nevertheless, the scripture is very plain about the fact that they all do know God. But there comes a time when they choose not to glorify Him as God. And when that happens, the Bible says, they become futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts are darkened. In order for the heart to be darkened, it had to be in light once before because you can't darken something that is dark already. And so God darkens the heart because their spirits die. There's a, there's a point in time when the spirit of, of the individual that was once alive to God and full of light changes and it dies and it becomes darkened um, and it becomes separated from the life of God. Paul understood that concept um, in Romans chapter 7 verse 9 to 11. He explains exactly what happened to him. He says, I was alive once, and it's very important how he recognizes he was alive. He says, once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment was, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. And so Paul understood the concept about the fact that when he was a child, he was alive spiritually. Um, but when the commandment came, he was alive once without the law. And we'll, as we get into the teaching, we'll understand more clearly that children are not under, 
held accountable for the law. You recall we saw in the previous teaching that God says children have no knowledge of good and evil. And so because they have no knowledge of good and evil, and God held, uh, um, deems them to be innocent, God does not hold them accountable for sin. Now that doesn't mean that they don't commit sin. They definitely do. But God doesn't hold them accountable for sin. And so when God doesn't hold an individual accountable for sin, in other words, sin is not imputed to the individual, well then the state of their spirit remains exactly the same. It is only when sin is imputed that um, spiritual death then takes place. But prior to that, spiritual death cannot take place because it is God who is the one who judges on the issue. And if he deems a child to have no knowledge of good and evil, he does not impute sin to them. And if God doesn't impute sin to the individual, well, they are sin-free in, in God's eyes, and that's the way it is. And so Paul says, I was alive once without the law. So when Paul was a child and God did not hold him accountable for the law, um, his spirit remained alive. There was nothing wrong with uh, his spirit relationship with God. Now he might, uh, uh, children do not mean, that doesn't mean that they're walking in a close fellowship with the Lord. It just means that they are still sons and daughters of God. They are alive to God because God does not hold them accountable for law. But there came a time in Paul's life when he said things changed. He said, but when the commandment came, so there was a day in which the there was a day in Paul's life that God said, okay, Paul, prior to this, you had no knowledge of good and evil. But from, on, from today onwards, I deem you to have knowledge of good and evil. In other words, the commandment came. Now, when that happened, Paul said, sin revived and he died. He said, sin revived and I died. And so what did, he didn't die physically. He's talking about his spirit died on that day. When, because what is sin? Sin is being disobedient to the commandment of God. So any disobedience that occurs kills the, 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 the spirit of the uh, child. Because children are born under law. Um, so anyway, so in, in Paul's case, the scripture, he says there was a day in his life, he was alive at one stage when God did not hold him accountable for the law. There came a day in his life when God said, now you're accountable. On that day, sin revived in Paul's life, and we're going to get into how that happened. Um, and when sin, when he committed sin, we don't know what sin Paul committed, but whatever sin it is, whatever transgression it was that he committed, no matter what, how small or how big it might have been, at that moment, he died spiritually. His spirit died. And so that's why he says in verse 11, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Now what was the deception? The deception was, Ah, oh, Paul, it's right, you can do this. It's not going to, do, uh, it's not going to uh, affect your relationship with God. Um, and that's exactly what did happen, is that his relationship with God was cut off straight away because he died spiritually. And so he was no longer in communion with God because he was now in, he, his spirit had transitioned from being spiritual life to spiritual death, from light to darkness. And so that's, that, that was the deception. You recall that's exactly the same deception that Satan uh, tempted Eve with. For he said, because she said, you know, well, he, the, the temptation went on this wise. You know, did God say you can't eat of every tree of the, uh, in, the, in the garden? And she said, no, we can. We just can't eat of that one tree. 
And Satan said to her, no, that's why God, no, um, you're not, she said, because we'll die if we eat of the tree. And so Satan deceives her. He said, no, you're not going to die. Um, you're just going to get knowledge of good and evil and become like God. So that was the deception. She thought she wouldn't die. And so that's exactly what happened with, in Paul's life. Uh, he thought, no, it's not, it's just a white lie. I'm going to, I don't know, I'm talking whatever sin Paul committed on the day that God said, uh, now I'm going to hold you accountable for good and evil. Um, and so exactly the same thing happened with uh, Eve. She thought she wouldn't die, she was deceived, and she did die because God said she would. And so that is um, what, what, what takes place in the lives of everybody that comes into the earth. They're born spiritually alive to God in light. At the age of accountability, where God says, okay, now I'm going to hold you accountable for good and evil, um, for sin, in other words, the commandment comes, then sin revives, and the person commits sin, and they die. They die spiritually. Um, and so it is sin that kills the spirit. Sin, uh, the spiritual death cannot enter unless sin has taken place first. And that is why children can't die spiritually, because God does not impute sin to them, because he deems them to have no knowledge of good and evil. So that's why their spirits remain alive, even though they commit sin from the time they're born, really. Um, well, maybe not from the time they're born, but, you know, from a very early age, children commit sin. But they remain spiritually alive all through their childhood, because God does not impute sin to them. It is only when God imputes sin, that sin is then imputed to the individual and the individual becomes accountable for their sin. When that happens, their spirits die straight away. Um, we can see that in a, a scripture um, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through to 6. The scripture says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. And so every single person born into the earth is born under law. Jesus was born under law. Now, we look at this passage of scripture and we think, um, automatically of the law of Moses, because Jesus was born under the law of Moses because he was a Jew. Um, and so we think that that's the law that the scripture passage is talking about. But it's not at all. This passage is talking about everybody in the earth, because he goes on to say in verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So he's not talking only about Jews, because it's not only Jews that get to receive the, the adoption of sons, um, and in verse 6, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. That's talking about all believers. And most of the believers in the church today are Gentile believers. And he, Paul, in writing to, to the churches in Galatia, is writing to Gentile believers. He's not writing to Jewish believers even. And so when Paul is talking to all the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, he's talking about the fact that people are born under law, talking about everyone who's born into the earth is born under law. He's talking about every single person, Jew and Gentile alike. Now, what law is he referring to? He cannot be referring to the law of Moses because somebody who's born in China, for argument's sake, is not born under the law of Moses. They've never heard of Moses. They know nothing about the law of Moses. 
But nevertheless, the scripture says that Christ Jesus um, was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And so there is a different law that everybody is born under, Jew and Gentile alike, outside of the law of Moses. And we need to identify that law because that is just showing us that every single person is born under law in the earth and that when they get to the age of accountability that that law revives. Remember what Paul said, when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And so when that law, when God holds the individual accountable for that law for the first time, sin revives in that individual's life and they then die spiritually. So what is the law that everybody is born under when they are born into the earth? Well, we can pick up an, uh, um, kind of an explanation for that law in the book of Romans, chapter 5, beginning at verse 12. Uh, the scripture says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law was in the, uh, in the sorry, for until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Remember we said God does not impute sin to children because he deems them to have no knowledge of good and evil. So there is no law. Even though they're under the law, they're not held accountable for the law. It is only when one is held accountable for the law that then sin is imputed. And so he says here, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. And so Paul is explaining uh, certain spiritual truths to us here. He says, there was no law in the earth from Adam through to Moses. Moses received the law from God. But from Adam through to Moses, there was no law given to the earth. Um, but Paul says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. And he says that it's impossible for death to come unless sin is first committed. Sin can only be committed if there is a law that can be, can be transgressed and thus be imputed to the individual. And so Paul is saying there, there must have been a law in the earth from the time of Adam through to the time of Moses that was causing man, mankind to commit sin, that sin was then imputed to them, and when it was imputed to them, they died spiritually. And so Paul asked, he kind of asks the question, he says, sin is not imputed when there is no law, law, nevertheless death reigned. So he's saying there must have been a law in place that mankind were transgressing, that they could then, uh, their spirits could die spiritually. Um, and he says it couldn't have been um, the law that, that Adam received. There was only one commandment that Adam received, and that was from God. And God said, Thou shalt not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, Nobody can commit that sin anymore because Adam and Eve were removed from the garden, and that tree was taken away. So we couldn't commit that same sin because he says, um, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. So people were still sinning, 
but they couldn't break the commandment that God had given. You can't eat of that tree, because nobody could get to the tree to eat of it anymore. But nevertheless, people were dying. So Paul is saying there had to be a law in place. Now, also a very important point that Paul makes here in verse 12. He says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. And so death needs, the, the, the progression is, let's work backwards, death needs sin. Sin needs the law. And the law has to be transgressed in order for sin to take place. And so death cannot occur, spiritual death, cannot occur unless sin first takes place. Now, that's what Paul says here. He says, death did spread to all men. Why? He says, because all sinned. And so we do not inherit spiritual death from our parents. We do not inherit sin from our parents. We do in, in the physical body, but not in the spirit. Um, and, but the reason that death, that people die spiritually is because all sinned. It's not because all inherited spiritual death. He says here that um, sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. Why? Because all sinned. So it's imperative that one commits sin in order for their spirits to die. You cannot inherit spiritual death from anybody because our spirits come from God. And so in order for the spirit of, of the child once they reach the age of accountability, to die spiritually, they have to commit sin of their own. When they then commit that sin, that is when their spirits will die. No one can inherit spiritual death from their parents. Let's have a look at it, uh, go back to the book of Genesis, just to have a clearer understanding as to kind of what transpired when Adam and Eve did in fact commit sin, and the results thereof, and how that impacts on us today. Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, and we're going to read uh, certain passages all the way through to verse 24. The scripture says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden, of every tree of the garden? See how Satan questions the word of God, distorts the word of God, that's how he does it even today. Then verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So there's the line. Because remember God had said, God, if you eat of this tree, you will die. Uh, Satan comes along and says, you won't die. Verse 5. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, when Satan puts out a lie, he always puts it together with a bit of truth. Because nobody is going to just, well, you suppose you get people that do just swallow the lie. But most people will not just swallow the lie. They, he needs to hide the lie inside uh, truth as well so that he can get the, the poison into the individual. Now, the, the truth that um, Satan speaks here, he says in verse 5, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. That's exactly the truth. And we'll see that in Scripture. That was the truth that Adam heard and he then made a conscious decision that he was prepared to die spiritually so he could gain that. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, 
to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. Verse 24. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And so here is a very clear example in the Garden of Eden of what takes place in the lives of children. Adam and Eve were born spiritually created and born because Adam was born of God. If you look at the, the genealogy of our Lord Jesus, I think it's in the Gospel of Matthew that goes all the way back. Matthew might go back to Abraham. So then it would be Luke's Gospel that goes all the way back to, to Adam. But he's called the Son of God. And we saw in a previous scripture that Adam was a type of him who was to come talking of Jesus Christ our Lord, who is also the Son of God. And so Adam and Eve were in fact born of God. Um, and so they were born spiritually alive to God. And their, their physical bodies were fine and there was no death there, no, because there was no sin present. Remember, death can only come in through sin. So they're in a perfect state. They then transgressed and they commit sin. When they did, their spirits died instantly. And that is what God had said would take place. Um, and so it, it, children as well, they're born alive, spiritually alive to God, but when they commit sin, spiritual death takes place instantly. Same kind of scenario that took place with Adam and Eve. Um, but what happened when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, their spirits died before because that was the action. The action is the, uh, the sin is disobedience to God. So partaking of the fruit itself, the act of partaking of the fruit, was the sinful act that killed their spirits. But when they partook of that fruit, the scripture says in verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And verse 22, our Lord says, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And so when they partook of that fruit, they at that instant had knowledge of good and evil for the very first time. They didn't know knowledge, they had no knowledge of good and evil before that time. And so the fruit opened up their eyes so that they could have knowledge of good and evil. And they became like God, having knowledge of good and evil. And so there were two things that took place when Adam and Eve committed sin. Their spirits died, but the, the eyes of, of their knowledge of good and evil were opened. The eyes of their, their, their eyes were opened. The eyes that were opened were in fact the eyes of their conscience. For the very first time, their, their conscience convicted them of their sin. Because the scripture says in verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Before that, they did not know, because they had no knowledge of good and evil. Now they knew that they were naked, because their eyes were opened. And so, the law that God placed into the earth from the time of Adam was the knowledge of good and evil. Now that knowledge of good and evil is in fact the conscience, for the conscience is given to man to let him know to uh, do good and shun evil. That's what the conscience is given for. And so every single person on the planet has a conscience given to them by God. You recall when our Lord Jesus was ministering to the woman, um, no, in fact, no, he was teaching in the temple, they brought the adulterous woman before him, and there was that interaction that took place, 
And the Bible talks about the fact that they walked away, the two of them that her accusers, because their conscience convicted them. And so every single person on the planet has a conscience given to them by God. That conscience is given to them by God to know good and e uh, evil and to know to choose good and to reject evil. That's what the conscience does. So Adam and Eve, the eyes of their conscience was opened when they ate of that fruit. And so every single person after Adam and Eve had a conscience. Well, they always had a conscience, but it was only at that time that their conscience was opened. With regards to children, remember we saw in the previous teaching, God deems them to have no knowledge of good and evil. So their consciences are not, the eyes of their conscience is not, not yet opened, all children. That is why they cannot transgress any law knowingly. They do transgress God's law all the time. They sin, we know that. Um, but they are not doing it knowingly because the, the eyes of their conscience remain closed. Just like Adam and Eve, they had a conscience when that God created them, but the eyes of their conscience remained closed. It was only when they partook of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil that the eyes of their conscience was opened and they now had knowledge of good and evil. And so uh, they were held accountable for their sin. And so it's exactly the same with regards to children. When they're born into the earth, they have a conscience, but the eyes of their conscience remains closed. When they get to a certain age, the eyes of their conscience is opened. Uh, Paul says, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And so that's exactly what happens with children. At an age of accountability, and we'll discuss that age in this series of teachings, um, the eyes of the, the child's conscience is open for the first time. When that happens, they know now good and evil. And so when they now transgress, whatever transgression they commit, their spirit dies instantly because they now, now have knowledge of good and evil. And so that is the law that was in place from Adam all the way through to Moses as, and is in place throughout the earth today. Every single person in the earth is born into the earth with a conscience. The eyes of their conscience remains closed from, the, from birth all the way through to the age of accountability, which is the age of 13. At that age, God then opens the eyes of their uh, conscience. They now have knowledge of good and evil. Before they didn't have knowledge of good and evil. Recall what God said on the issue. They now have knowledge of good and evil. Paul says, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And so when they now have knowledge of good and evil, and they transgress in whatever transgression, whatever law they transgress, it might be just telling a white lie, at that point, they then die spiritually. Just like Adam and Eve. They, Adam and Eve were not under grace. And so when they committed sin, there was no, there was no grace given to them. They, they died straight away. And everybody we saw in the previous uh, passage of Scripture is born in, we, we're all redeemed from the law because Christ came to the earth born under the law to redeem us who were under the law. So everybody is under the law. We were all born into the earth under the law. No grace. There is no grace. Children are not under grace. They're in a, a grace period from until they really reach the age of accountability of 13, which is why they remain spiritually alive. But they're still under law, um, as, which means is that when you're under law and you transgress whatever law it might be, that the instant uh, transgression takes place, that is sin, and the instant that happens, spiritual death occurs. There's no grace involved at all. And so 
That's the reason why everybody um, dies spiritually. Let's have a look at, just again, confirming what our Lord said to Adam and Eve in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Scripture says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so Adam and Eve were born under the law. That was the law that they were born under. The moment they transgressed that law, their spirits died. Everybody born into the earth is born under the law, but nevertheless, the eyes of their conscience remain closed and they have no knowledge of good and evil until the age of accountability. At that time, at age 13, eyes of their conscience are opened. Because they're under law, the very first law they transgress matters not which one it is. Um, their spirits die straight away. And that is why the spirits of all men die. So why is it that all men sin? Because, you know, we understand now, basically, we can see that all people, all people born into the earth are born alive, but they, at the age of accountability, they sin, and because they sin, their spirits die. And because their spirits die, they, they obviously are now separated from God. And now they need to be then born again. Because they were born once before. That's what born again means, spiritually. It says, we were born once. Uh, Peter talks about it. He says, uh, we were be uh, begotten of God once before. And so God, we were all born into the earth of God. We reached our age where we, like Paul, died spiritually. And thus we need to be born again. So people get confused. They think being born again, we're born naturally first time, and then we're born spiritually the second time. Not at all. Uh, the natural, Jesus separated the two. He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so we're born of the Spirit when we came into the earth. Um, our bodies are something else completely. It's just a house we live in. But our spirits were born spiritually alive when we came into the earth. Age 13, our spirits died, and thus the Spirit needed to be born again. And that's what the born-again experience is all about. But why is it? that we commit sin. Why, if we're born spiritually alive to God, full of the light and life of God, why is it that we have this natural propensity to commit sin? Because all children, we know that, commit sin. And yet their spirits are alive to God. So why does that happen? Well, we'll look at a, a passage of Scripture which Paul kind of just um, highlights the truth for us, and that's in Romans chapter 7, and we're going to read it from verse 14 through to verse 25, and that just kind of explains it to us biblically as to why it is that we commit sin. There's, there are two primary reasons why everybody commits sin. The one is that these physical bodies that we dwell in, because don't forget, we are the person dwelling inside the body. The body is the house that we live in, but the person comes from God. I'm talking about the person who's born into the earth for the first time. Um, so why does that person seem to naturally commit sin? Because they shouldn't be, because their spirits are light and life. So they should have a, a natural tendency to want to uh, do good and, and righteousness and not commit sin. The reason being is, as I said, there are two primary reasons as to why um, everybody commits sin in the earth. The first one being is that the, the house that they're born into is sinful in nature. Because let's go back all the way to Adam and Eve now. When Adam and Eve committed sin, what happened is sin entered into their, 
um, they, they, their spirits became sin. The spirit gives life to the physical body. Without the, 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 the spirit, the physical body has no capacity to live. Uh, it just ceases to function. And so it's the spirit inside the body that gives it life. So when the spirit that's inside the body is in fact death, because when we die spiritually, our spirits become death, our spirits become darkness. So when that spirit is death, it imparts death to the physical body. When the spirit is life, it imparts life to the physical body. And so when Adam and Eve became spiritually dead, their spirits imparted death to their physical bodies. And so their bodies became contaminated with sin and death. Um, and so sin and death entered into Adam's bloodstream. Now that blood God has used to create every single body on the earth from the time of Adam up till now. And that God will continue to do that until the end of the age. But every, the, the blood that is used is contaminated. It is infected with the sin virus. And so every body that we're born into, every physical body that the, the human, human spirit is born into, is a body that is contaminated with sin. That body has a, a capacity only for sin. It has no capacity for righteousness because it is sinful in nature. You say, well, then why doesn't, the, when the spirit comes into that body, impart life to that body? Um, I don't know. God has deemed it that the, the, our bodies don't change once we, uh, when the spirit comes in. The body still remains the same material that God has used. He doesn't change the body material. That will only take place when God changes our bodies at the resurrection of the dead. Then we will get our spiritual bodies. But these physical bodies that we dwell in now are inherited from Adam and they are sinful in nature. And so the, the physical house that, that we dwell in has a natural uh, capacity for sin because it is contaminated by sin. And that includes the organ of the brain um, because the Bible speaks about a carnal mind. And the mind is, our, our brain is used by our soul. We don't want to get into that in kind of depth. But it's, all of that is contaminated by sin. Now, the other reason that everybody commits sin is because they're born into a sinful environment. This world is geared up to be against God. And so everything that children get taught, even though the ones that get brought up in Christian homes, get exposed to sinful practices by the society that they live in. And so all through their lives, children, um, although they remain spiritually alive to God, and have the capacity to grow strong in spirit. Ch uh, parents need to recognize the fact that they, their children are in fact alive to God and they need to encourage them to, to grow in the things of God and to grow spiritually and then obviously give their hearts to the Lord as soon as possible. Um, but nevertheless, these two influences are brought to bear in the lives of children, which causes them to commit sin. And that is their physical bodies that they dwell in and the environment that they're living, which then... Um, teaches them to commit sin. But let's just have a look at uh, the, the, the body being the, the main um, antagonist which causes individuals to commit sin. And we'll pick up that truth in Romans chapter 7. Scripture says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. 
If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh. Now Paul differentiates when he's talking about in me. He's talking about his flesh, not his inner man. He's talking about the house that he dwells in, this physical body he lives in. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to my inward man. So Paul differentiates between the inward man and the outward man. Verse 23, but I see another law in my members, talking about his physical body, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, talking about his physical body. A wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And so there very clearly Paul is saying that these bodies that we dwell in are sinful in nature and they have a, a natural propensity to commit sin. That is all they have a capacity for. He says, the inside of him, Inside of me, I want to do what is right. I want to walk in the laws of God, but I find that I'm doing what I don't want to do. And he's talking about his will. He's saying that, you know, I will to do this, but I find I'm doing something else. Things that I don't like doing, that's what I end up doing. And so Paul understood that the will of man was not sufficient to overcome sin in the flesh. It's not strong enough. Um, the will of man is, is a powerful force, but is not strong enough to overcome sin in the flesh. Sin in the flesh is stronger than the will of man, which thus brings every man into subjection to sin, because every man thus commits sin. We saw that death spread to all men because all sinned. And so if it was by pure willpower that we could overcome sin in the flesh, we wouldn't have needed Jesus to save us. But we can't, and that's why... Paul says in verse two, uh, when he says, "O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this bo uh, body of death?" Because he understands this body is sinful in nature and has death in it, um, and he doesn't know how to overcome the thing. And God says to him, "No, Paul, this is how you do it. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord." So Jesus overcame sin in the flesh for us, and it's through Jesus that we can overcome sin in the flesh, in, our, in and of ourselves, through our own willpower. We can't, you can't do it, it's impossible. Sin is greater. Sin has a stronger influence and sin always wins out. But Jesus is greater than sin. And Jesus has overcome sin in the flesh. And so it's through Jesus Christ our Lord that we are able to overcome sin in the flesh. And that's why we must be born again. Because when we are born again, we are baptized into Christ. And Christ is, enters into us. And it's through His enabling, through His power, we overcome sin in the flesh. But the point is very clear from this passage of Scripture that these bodies that we dwell in are sinful in nature. Paul calls them the body of sin and body of death. And so it's, it's this body that influences all children throughout their lives to commit sin. Um, so that's the one influence. 
The other influence, uh, as I mentioned, is the environment that we grow up in. And let's just look at two scriptures that just highlight that truth to us. Romans chapter 8, verse 7, the scripture says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. And so the carnal mind is this is our is natural thinking, is the way that this world thinks. The Bible talks about uh, the unbelievers thinking being carnal. And so he says that the carnal mind is enmity against God. Uh, it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. And so all of the influences in the way, because the, our, our mindset is developed over our life based on the influences that we are exposed to. We, where we go to school, the, the culture we get brought up in, the religions we get brought up in, all of that impacts on the way we think. And all of that is contrary to God. And so, you know, the children just have everything going against them from the time they come into the, the earth. Um, that is just programming them to get to the point where when they reach age of 13 at countability, they're just going to commit sin and they're going to die spiritually. Another scripture is in 1 Corinthians 3.3. 3, the scripture says, For you are still carnal, talking about baby believers now, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And so this world system is against God. And that is why all children, when they're born, um, people seem to think, oh, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're naturally naughty. And that's half true and half not true. Because naturally, spiritually, we saw in the previous teaching, no, they're not. Spiritually, they're alive to God, and they have the capacity to actually grow in the things of God and become good uh, children of God. But they do have these two things going against them, and that is the, the house that they dwell in, which is sinful in nature, and also the environment that they grow up in, which is also sinful in nature. And so that is the, the two forces that are brought to bear on the individual's life, which is why people commit sin. And so they're kind of sinning all the way through their lives. Um, but as I say, it's a grace period that they're under up until the age of 13. For God then, at, during that age period, God deems them to have no knowledge of good and evil. And so God does not impute their sin to them, even though they are committing sin. But at, at age 13, God says, okay, now your conscience eyes are opened. You now have knowledge of good and evil. And so the very first sin they commit at that time, their spirits die because they're born under law. They're not born under grace. There's a grace period, I understand that, but that's not the grace that we are born under when we're born again. And we'll get into that in more depth. But I trust you understand because we're dealing in this uh, topic um, we want you to know why we must be born again. And this is why we must be born again. Because we were all once born alive to God, we all died spiritually, and we all need to be born again. And we're going to end the teaching on that particular point.